You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Down the sideline for Tate. He's got it. Golden Tate is going to go for the touchdown. 64 yards from the rookie Daniel Jones. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, how you doing? I am finally back home in New York City after what seems like I was gone for seven weeks, but uh, finishing up my World Series trip, running down to Florida to see a pretty exciting uh, Florida Gator football win last night in Gainesville, and uh, coming back today... um, little funny story, I was in the airport in Tampa checking in on Delta, and I noticed that there was a nonstop flight to Newark, and, you know, Delta doesn't fly to Newark, so I asked the gate agent, is that a new route to Newark from Tampa, and she's like, no, 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 that's a special flight, I'm like, oh, really, she's like, yeah, that's the Bucks charter up to Newark for the game tonight, so they were, they were flying at the same time I was today, and, you know, they don't go through the normal security like they do. They they get a bus that goes right to the the um, right to their plane and they take off. So I did see them ha- actually take off. I was in the window giving them the finger as it took off, but wearing my giant shirt. But uh, yeah, that's that. <laughs> um, real quick, you know, you've been following my exploits lately. You know, very crushing loss to the World Series. You know, they say it's better to have. Uh, Loved and lost and never lost at all, but trust me, losing a World Series is pretty brutal, especially the way the Rays did it. Uh, by now, you all know how we lost Game 6, where they controversial managerial decision to take out Blake Snell. Um, look, you know, it, it's, it's a lesson that has to be, it could be applied to football, it could be applied to the Giants and all sports, that you, know, you can do as many chess pieces as you want as a coach, as a manager. At the end of the day, players have to play. And, you know, you can use analytics all you want, but all they do is just increase your odds. They don't guarantee anything. And, you know, using analytics for that is great over the course of a full season, but when you get down to a a short series or one individual game, there's no chance to recover from if if the result doesn't work out for the, the, you know, the decision. And something like that, you know, you can't apply the same logic for one game you do over a course of a year, and it killed the Rays. So, you know, it's an awful loss, but, you know, thinking about this in terms of the Giants and in the NFL or everything, you know, coach's job is to put players in the best position to win, um, but they are not the stars. They are not the reason why teams win or lose. It's players, and players playing and players executing. So, you know, we don't know what Joe Judge is like yet, as really as a coach. We haven't been in that many situations yet, you know, game-determining decisions or, you know, fourth and goal, what are you going to do here type of things yet to see. But hopefully he isn't someone like a Pat Shermer who thinks too hard in decisions and tries to make, you know, himself, inserting himself more into it than players actually playing. So a bit of a rambling hello to everybody, but I wanted to get all that off my chest and move on with my life and talk about, you know, what Grump and I consider one of our biggest rivalries, actually, that's not in the division, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, and it's been a fun one that we've gotten to enjoy like five years in a row somehow. Um, <laughs> I have this feeling that we're not going to be playing them next year, though, because I don't think we're going to be winding up in the same spot in the standings for our division. Well, you never know. With this crappy division, Grump, we could finish anywhere from last to second who knows and who and really honestly who knows so uh you know i wouldn't say no way no way next year i guess not yeah but yeah so this is this is like an uh within friends rivalry that's gone fairly back and forth i think we've won three and lost one i believe so yeah i you guys know me i am from Originally, the Tampa Bay area. I have a lot of friends down there, and you know, 
People, you know, that I follow on Twitter who we are best of friends as Florida Gators on Saturdays are the worst of enemies on Sundays when it comes to the NFL, specifically Giants, Bucks. So we've been fortunate our paths have crossed several times in the last decade, really the last 30 years. I mean, I can remember the game in 91. I was still at UF and we drove down in the old sombrero and, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Hosteller was starting at the time. Phil Sims was benched, you know, the genius of Ray Hanley. And uh, Hosteller hurt his back, and they brought Sims in in the second half for a come-from-behind win through a touchdown. I believe it was to Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker. I, I'm pretty sure it was a pretty big highlight. So it's been a fun rivalry. You know, it may not be one that 99% of you Giant fans care about, but, you know, it's a big one for me. So uh, I'm looking forward to this week. I got Florida George on Saturday. I got Bucks Giants t- tomorrow or today as you're hearing this on a Monday. So I'm bouncing back from last week's devastation and we're moving forward. Yeah, and later tonight at 8.20 or 8.30 or whenever Monday Night Football starts now, um, the Giants will be hosting the Buccaneers at home at MetLife Stadium. Um like I said, this is like the fifth time in, in five years that they've met. Maybe in the last six years, I'm not sure. But they've met fairly frequently, and this has been a um, Giants-dominated thing, mainly due to Jameis Winston being an incompetent quarterback. That is all thrown out the window, as they have spent an arm and a leg to bring in Tom Brady. And it's like magic. This team is much better um, when they have a quarterback that doesn't throw equal parts interceptions to touchdowns. Yeah, it's a team that's going to be in a lot of shootouts. You know, their defense wasn't very good at all last year. It's improved somewhat, but this team is going to win games by, you know, out slugfesting you. And they have the offense absolutely. Now, they've, they've had the weapons. They've never had the right guy, you know, under center. You know, uh, Jameis Winston famously was a 30-30 guy last year, and you know, if you complain about Daniel Jones making that critical pick at the wrong time or that critical turnover at the wrong time, imagine what your life would be like if you're a Buck fan having to deal with a simpleton like Jameis Winston for for five years. So, uh, but they've made a pretty significant upgrade in the position. You know, they have a, they they have a they have an all-time great who has you know. The only real blotches on his career record are against the New York Football Giants. You know the two Super Bowls, obviously. Um, there was that I remember that away game in 2011 up in Foxborough, which I went to, where we beat them. Also, the listening couple, exactly, and you listen, you know, on the post game on WEI, whatever you know, the station up there. It's like you know, I think Brady's lost it. You know, I, I, I think he might be done. This might be the beginning of the end. And this is in 2011. And after that giant loss, they didn't lose another game until the Super Bowl. And, you know, he's gone on to win how many more rings and, you know, got to the Super Bowl and lost to Philly. And right now, you know, even last year we thought maybe it might be the beginning of the end of the road for him. He was very pedestrian. And, but, uh, you know, the, the move is rejuvenated. I mean, he doesn't have to be the best quarterback in the league, but – the guy is so smart. The guy is accurate. He doesn't make mistakes, and uh, he's got a lot of weapons to work with too. So this is a this is a dangerous uh, opponent we're facing, and I got a bad feeling we're going to be shelling out for a pretty fun dinner at Valori uh, in the near future. Yeah. So you know, just as a uh, we'll have a little sidetrack on Tom Brady here. Uh, you know, I think Tom Brady he's very famously a statue in the pocket quarterback and a lot of the criticism of him potentially being done or washed up has always been you know in New England just uh, just a lack of talent around him I mean their their offensive line is just okay you know he's did a lot to elevate players that are just okay I mean I'm obviously not talking about the likes of Julian Edelman but you know, there there are all kinds of, um, like like Woodhead and 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 all these guys that just barely hang around in the league. They get come to New England and all of a sudden, they're they're monsters. Um, they've always they've always been the sum greater than the parts. I mean, obviously the greatest part is Brady, but you know whether they'll bring in a big name guy who contributes like for half a season or one season and that's it. He just fills that. 
Yeah, Randy Moss. I mean, all these type of guys. Um, you know, they, they come and they do their job really quickly and they kind of go. Um, they've had, you know, the Patriots, again, we're not sliding Tom Brady at all, but you know, a lot of their success is also because, you know, they've basically been in a cakewalk division for the last 15 years as well. So, you know, I mean, this team was not a very good team last year, but through the, you know, the, you know, the cunningness of Tom Brady, if not, you know, not playing well, but and also an easy schedule, were able to get into the playoffs last year. So, you know, but coming to Tampa where, you know, you have a whole new set, you know, a lot more talent around you to work with, uh, kind of a rejuvenation, too. You're in a new building after so much time. It, you know, it kind of it kickstart your blood a little bit, too. So, um, you know, it's, it's it's pretty amazing what he's done, considering, again, the Bucks have had the same issues that every other team has had, where, you know, you're coming in with not a normal offseason. You know, I think there was a couple of cases where he was warned by the NFL, you know, you shouldn't be working out, you know, it's not approved, with, you know, with, with COVID and everything, but it took a little time, but now he's right up there for being, if he's not the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he's still one of the most dangerous, and that's something that we're going to have to deal with, you know, for the next three hours tonight. And now moving to Tampa Bay, uh, you know, this is a team that defensively is suddenly playing really well without really doing all that much to the defense. You know, they haven't really added a whole lot of parts here, but now for the first time they're playing with steady leads they're not playing in close competitive games or playing from behind. They're able to just play easy. You know what I mean? They're just able to pin their ears back a little bit. Coverage doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, just pretty much just looking for anything deep at this point. Um, and they're not on the field as much either because exactly, the offense yeah. is playing well. Yeah, so, you know, adding somebody like him, this is a perfect example of how a, the best defense is a good offense. And, you know, this mm-hmm. is coming from somebody who loves defensive football. Um, it just—it's a fact that even the best defense, if they're on the field for 40 minutes plus, are not going to play like the best defense. Um, and even, you know, guys that are in the late ends of their career that are just, you know, decent pass rushers, when they can just pass rush, are really good. Um, and Tom Brady brings all of that to Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, the other thing is this is a team that has had. Uh, decent skill position players, right? You know, between Mike Evans is the big name, you know, but Chris Godwin is really good. Ronald Jones has been a, a pretty good running back. They bring in Leonard Fournette. They bring in LaShawn McCoy. You know, Scotty Miller steps up. Rob Gronkowski comes in. Um, you know, O.J. Howard is, you know, it's just, now this list is huge. And uh, It's just, it just tells you the importance of a quarterback in whether it's the NFL or in college or arena league or anywhere. <laughs> you need to have a quarterback who is at least is functional, if not, you know, outstanding. You know, we've seen what outstanding quarterbacks can do. We've seen what good game managers can do. But when you have somebody that is so turnover prone and just doesn't make the right mistakes, you can have a cannon of an arm. You can be the most accurate quarterback ever, but if you have that turnover bugger boo, it's going to, you know, really inf- impact you. And, you know, I know what some of you people are thinking right away as I'm saying this, and I'm not, you know, foreshadowing this on Daniel Jones because, you know, again, Daniel Jones is in his career arc. He's on game, what, 19? Y- yeah, I mean, Jameis Winston had five years where he was, you know, QB1 from day one. And, you know, and, and everything. So um, this is kind of like a cautionary tale. Of what can happen if you have a quarterback who consistently is? And he's also, Jameis was a record-setting turnover machine, too. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones, every time he fumbles once in a game or is a pick off his fingers, he gets the blame for things. But um, it's just a cautionary tale of just how important quarterbacks are. You know, it's that most important link in the chain. Yeah, absolutely. And... uh you know, let's get into this. So we'll stick with the offense. It's going to be difficult for the Giants to stop Tom Brady. You know, all things considered, not too much has changed for Tampa Bay besides him. But Brady doesn't 
need to have an all-star cast of receivers to win games. He can schematically understand where mismatches are, and you know he works very hard in the film room to dissect and identify defenses, know where the weak point is, know where to look, and he can elevate the likes of you know a, a Danny Woodhead to be a four-touchdown-in-one-game guy because of game planning and just knowing how to work a defense. Um, that said... He has a pretty good all-star cast of wide receivers out there. Um, Chris Godwin is out. He has a fractured finger. But, I mean, that doesn't stop the likes of everybody else that I just mentioned. You know, And guys like Scotty Miller are you know, stepping up to the plate just fine. Uh, so it's really not a huge loss for them in this game against uh, you know, a, a one-win Giants team. Um, so, you know... For the Giants defensively, getting getting Darnay Holmes back this week will help immensely against you know you know that third wide receiver, the tight end, you know things like that. He's been draped all over whoever he's assigned to cover. He's played really well. Um, that's going to help. But losing Ryan Lewis, who is considered at this point doubtful with a hamstring injury, is a huge blow on the outside. Ryan Lewis is not some Pro Bowl caliber cornerback I'm not trying to say that but you know he's here only because Corey Ballantyne has proved that he doesn't belong here you know starting on the outside and so has Isaac Yadam Ryan Lewis has shown up and he has looked at least like he belongs um, he looks like an NFL secondary player is what he looks like exactly and right now that's what we need we need guys who are at least NFL replacement level performers and when you lose him you're dipping into the, you know, the garbage of getting off the street. We, we, we can't have that, especially against a team like Tampa Bay. No, this is not an ideal situation to not have all the elements of your um, secondary. However, this story of Tom Brady and stopping him has always been since 2007 when it famously happened, um, is to get in his face. You know, he is not a mover. In the pocket, he will he will navigate a pocket, but he's not one to do a whole lot of running or anything like that. The pressure up front and in his face is the way to slow him down. You got to get there. You have to have fresh legs. And you got to be there constantly. You've got to be rushing his throws, rushing his throws, and disrupting his timing and hitting him constantly. Right now, I mean, think of, yeah. think about like I say, think about Thursday night when we played uh, Philly. Mm-hmm. You know that type of pressure we were putting on Wentz. You know, the difference is Wentz obviously can move around a lot more, and he creates things out of nothing. Sure. You know, you, we he could, is a runner. He was a runner in college. We could apply that same amount of pressure to Tom Brady. I think you're going to see different results. You might see a couple more sacks. You might see, you know, Brady in the last, you know, couple of years, he pretty much doesn't care about his stats anymore. He will just throw it at, throw it away when he doesn't see it, you know, the not having a, a great, a perfect QBR rating or per completion percentage is not his MO anymore. So he is not one to force anything, but you know, something, if he doesn't have and just throws it away, that is a win for any defense, especially this defense coming up. So I think if you can continue to see what we built on from last week, you know, you're going to have different results as opposed to a scrambling Wentz to a statue Brady. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And right now, when I look at this Tampa Bay team, They've improved the offensive line that they've had over the years, but it's still got a weak spot. And right now, when I look at it, it looks like right guard Alex Kappa is the one that struggles the most with the pass rush. So I'm hoping that the Giants see either the same thing or they see something that I haven't, and they are scheming up a way to just bust through and hit Brady in the mouth because that's going to be the way to screw that up. They're not going to win on coverage. They're not going to be able to coverage sack him. That's not going to happen. Brady doesn't get coverage sacked. He'll throw it away, like you said. He'll do. He doesn't care if they have to punt. They have to punt. But he's not about to sack fumble. You know, it's just if that happens, it's because pressure is right up in his face before he can do anything. Um, defense, how is there? A, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, how is there their left tackle? The the draft pick has he been doing? Uh, he's been playing at right tackle, hasn't he? Has he been at right tackle? Uh, the, the reason why I ask is that I got into a Twitter debate with someone today that was, you know, starting that, you know, that narrative how um, Andrew Thomas, a debacle of a pick that we've had. And again, you know, the defense of him, I was you know, very quick to say, 
not sure how you call any draft pick a debacle after seven games, especially after having no real offseason. And, you know, he had made the comment. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he was saying how, you know, he's, now Andrew Thomas is the fourth best, was at best the fourth, fourth best tackle in the draft. That makes it a debacle of a pick. And the other uh, tackles that were taken have been dominating. And I was just like, well, I don't think any of the other tackles have been quote unquote dominating. And I, you know, it's impossible to judge any of these four tackles, much as any rookie, much as anybody halfway into their rookie years with 2020 being the craziest year in NFL history. So um, I was just curious that, you know, from what you've seen from him, is this a guy that's been so far head and shoulders above what Andrew Thomas is doing that we can immediately say that Thomas is a bust and they made the wrong pick and all that, or is it just nonsense? No, I mean, you know what I'm going to say about the bust thing. We're not, not declaring a bust right. on anybody in their first year. Yeah. No, that's just the, the only time anyone would be a bust in their first year is if they had you know, a criminal background and they got arrested yeah. and never playing. You know what I mean? So it's just something that I... DeAndre Baker is a bust. <laughs> that's a debacle. But I mean, it's it's an unforeseeable one. I mean, as far as... Right, I know, right, right, no, right. Uh, I mean, Randy Gregory might be... You know, he's not a first-round pick. I think he was a second-round pick for the Cowboys. It was widely known that he had struggles with smoking pot and not doing it. And I don't know how many snaps he's ever taken. Has it been zero, I think? Over the course of several years, because he cannot pass a drug test. I mean, that to me is a yeah, bust. Right. Um, that was a well-known fact. Whatever. You know, this is Andrew Thomas's. You know what I'm going to say? It's his first year. Yeah. It's no off-season, brand new offense. So the entire offensive line is picking it up all at the same time. Uh, you mentioned before, which I think was really good, was when we talk about Eric Flowers as a bust. It was always either he was. It, 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 it was very likely he, that there was either going to be a free rusher or a holding call, and it was one or the other. Um, yeah. We have His seen, technique was so bad to begin with, and he seemed the inability for him to want to put the time in to learn and to develop the right skills. And, you know, he was just so bad at it. He was just you – know, there were holds all over the place. And we're not seeing that with Andrew Thomas. In fact, we've seen zero penalties of any kind this season for Andrew Thomas. Um, you know, there's that. Uh, he's he, but again, this is it's debatable if Andrew Thomas was even selected to play left tackle this year. We don't know what the plan was going to be. It may have been a we'll just throw every combination of the offensive line out there, and the best people will stick with their with their where they are. Um, there's a good chance that Nate Solder continued to play left tackle, and Andrew Thomas starts at right tackle until he's ready to move over. We never got to see that. That was going to be the biggest sports radio debate you would have had in August in a normal year is why isn't he playing left tackle? He should be playing left tackle. He should be at right tackle. Why is he at right tackle? When are they going to move him over? When are they going to cut Solder? That whole thing. And Solder opting out completely just changed that whole plan. And they might have, you know, on day one, you know, even before the draft deciding they're going to take a left tackle saying this is our plan, you know, a whole new coaching staff how they want to develop players and how they want to implement them. We, again, we don't know. We didn't know what Joe judge was all about. So, you know, this might've been just a rush job to get him in there when he wasn't really ready, even as a normal rookie in normal circumstance, throw in no off season, no OTAs, n- none of the normal preparation. And these guys have to defend for themselves. So the bottom line Tristan for all this, Wirfs, yeah, Tristan Wirfs played right tackle in college and he's got the benefit of continuing to play right tackle now um, he's played really well. I, I can't say that he's played badly. It's not true. I, my thing with not picking Tristan Wirfs was that he was a right tackle in college, and sure he could move over, but I liked what I saw from Andrew Thomas, and I am not it, it, to even suggest that it's time to give up on him is laughable. Um, yeah, and even you know you can't. And one thing also that I think a lot of people like to do is. Uh, say, well, look how good this guy is doing, so we need to move on from our guy. Like, I guarantee you that NFL executives, GMs, presidents, coaches do not evaluate the players on their roster based on the guy 
they could have drafted how they're doing on another team. It's 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 you know who does that? People who do fantasy football and fans and 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 sports radio callers and people on Twitter. It, 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 it's not a relevant argument because it's it's done. The decision was made back in the draft. I am taking you know right tackle A over right tackle B. I'm taking running back over quarterback. Those decisions are done. It's a waste of time and it's completely irrelevant to go back and say, well, you know, this guy's doing this and our guy's doing that. I mean, every team is a completely different circumstance. I mean, the Buccaneers offensive line, like you said, it's okay. It's still better than the Giants offensive line. And, you know, if you replace one guy with the other, you might see the similar struggles because his supporting cast around him is not as good. You know, maybe they they have the ability to give him more protection help and ship on his side or, or double team on his side because the other side is does a better job for the Bucks or not, and we don't have that. You know, be fortunate enough to do that. So, what someone does on one team can be completely different on another, and don't make. I mean, it's a natural instinct to make that comparison, but it's irrelevant. Just evaluate is your guy getting better each week or is it getting worse do you see improvement do you see better technique do you see better results after x amount of time the decisions will be made do we pick up the option on this rookie deal do we resign him do we just let him go but we're we're nine games in eight games in don't even be thinking about that right now yeah um and that pretty much summarizes the buccaneers on their offense Defensively, this side of the ball has not changed all that much. Um, that being said, it's not going to be easy to move the ball against them if they're playing with a lead. It's part of the reason they've had so much success despite not having a very talented secondary and just a ho-hum defensive line You know, since they lost Vita Vea early on in the year to IR. Um, the other part of that is <laughs> the other, you know, reason they've had success is that their linebackers are really good. All of them. You know, everyone knows Shaq Barrett. Um, JPP, now that he's able to just pin his ears back and, you know, just play with leads, it's, you know, it's boosting his stats. He's playing much, much better. You know, and again, opposite Shaq Barrett definitely helps. Devin White, you know, recent draft pick, an athletic and speedy linebacker who's really good in coverage. And Levante David has for some reason, evaded being in the conversation for one of the better linebackers in the NFC for the last couple of years, and I, I don't really know why. Um, if the Giants want to win this game, they need to win against those linebackers in one of two ways. They're either going to win against Barrett and JPP at the line and prevent them from disrupting so Jones can shoot downfield against the weak secondary, or they're going to have to win against David and White with quick routes over the middle. Um... They've proven so far that they're not very good at either of those things. Uh, so they're going to have to show up ready to be better than they have been. You know, they're, they're not very good at getting separation in the short and intermediate routes. Um, and they're not very good at blocking for long periods of time for Jones to shoot downfield. One of those two things has to improve here or the linebackers are going to win. Um, one other thing that I want to know is, you know, last week I mentioned that the hard count worked really well against the Eagles, and I would like to see the Giants try to implement that. We did see that. It didn't work, but they, they did notice the same thing I did, and they tried it. Um, I hate to be like this, but I see it again. Shaq Barrett is a guy who likes to time his jumps off the snap, and uh, he's not always great at it, and he never has. It's, it's been a thing about him. I hope that the Giants try to use that to their advantage because they're going to need every advantage they can against this team. It's just a fact. I want to talk about JPP for a minute. Um, two things. Two things I want to bring up about JPP. One, you know, I think you know he made some comments this week about um, wanting to destroy the Giants when he when he played them this week, and you know the media jumped all over that as. Well, they asked him. Yeah, but the the most important thing about that is, you know, the headline was wants to destroy Giants. But, you know, the very next sentence that is omitted all the time is he said, you know, um, that's what I want to do as an individual, but I still have love for him, period. Mm -hmm. So I think I think there's been a kind of a false narrative kind of going out this week that JPP is a bitter, you know, ex-Giant who wants to go back to prove them wrong and blah, 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 blah. So I think, you know. 
again, because it's a former giant, it's New York and it's Monday Night Football and, you know, they like to create storylines. To me, this is a non-storyline. Um, but the bigger thing I want to talk about, JPP, is is now there's this little bit of revisionist history about... Oh, my God. It's this, such revisionist history. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, people flat out lying about their own opinions. Yeah, about, you know, this. for what we're talking about, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's another one of Dave Gettleman's major mistakes was to trade him because look how great he is now, and this team still is in desperate need of a pass rusher. And as Grump, you know, kind of, you know, broadcasted about this already like it's ridiculous it's it's complete revisionist history remember the reasons why we got rid of jpp in the first place you know first of all the guy was hurt all the time and second of all he had signed a monster monster contract which was just you know one of the reasons why you know uh we were in cap hell you know a a team that isn't going anywhere doesn't spend that much money on a guy who was going to give you 16 games and uh, now that he's having some levels of success, you know, years later, now all of a sudden, now it's a mistake. And it's, it's, it's pretty laughable. You know, you, if you're going to argue about something one way, you, you, know, the right to, you can't change your mind about it two years later and say, I told you so, when that's clearly not what your you know, rationale was before. I'm just going to throw something. We'll, we'll, we'll take these things. Before we get into the revisionist history, I just want to um... – what you said about the JPP thing and, and wanting to destroy the Giants, you're right. He actually said, I understand it's a business. There's no bad blood is a direct quote. So, I mean, there is nothing here about him being bitter. This is him just wanting to show that he's still got it at his home. He wants to win anyway. I mean, the, the, the media people love to ask these questions to get these answers and then run these headlines. But that doesn't mean that that's the story. I mean, they're kind of yeah. forcing the story by asking the question in the first place because no matter how they answer, they get a story. You know, either there's no bad blood at all or they want to destroy – they get a quote. You know, it's just it, – it's it's a silly thing. And if you got wrapped up in that or, you know, found yourself retweeting that, then uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you got duped. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, he – of course, he wants to get a sack on Monday Night Football against his former team in their house and – you know, do his little sack dance at the end. He, of course, he wants that. I think he would like that in front of a, a home crowd. That won't happen, and that you know that sucks. But, but I mean, that's just that all players do that. Yeah. I mean, who's even left from the Giants when he was there? I mean, there's not many roster spots that were were teammates of JPP. I mean, it's not the same coach. It's not the same uh, you know coaching staff at all. It's 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 not almost any of the players. So, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's a manufactured storyline when there are plenty of storylines in this game to begin with anyway. So, moving on to the revisionist history, going all the way back before the four-year deal that he signed uh, in 2017 or the offseason between 16 and 17 or whatever, you know, he was franchise tagged, I think, right? And there were a lot of people that didn't even want him for the amount of money that because the main argument that we saw is that outside of 2011, he never really had any good numbers years. And it was me defending JPP to these people telling them that, you know, he's really disruptive. He's our best disruptive guy. He's worth this money whether you like it or not. And, you know, his bigger knock for me was his availability, which is – it's just a fact. He was just – he hurt. He blew off half of his fingers on one hand. I mean th- there are a myriad of reasons some, why he was – He had some several – he had some several serious injuries too where, you know – Yeah. Um, that – you know, that being said, his contract was – I can't even blame Jerry Reese for it because it was a reflection of – wanting to capitalize on 2016 momentum. I mean, this was a team that far surpassed... I mean, it's amazing that they even came in second place with the record that they had in the NFC East. You know, well, we have four losses, five losses. You know, that's that's a great regular season. Um, they, they they go into Green Bay and they shit the bed. And that's, you know, it's, that's unfortunate, especially since even... 
I mean, a lot of drop passes. It was just a poorly played game, but it was not a blowout. You know, they could have won that game too and moved on. Uh, I don't think anyone had the Super Bowl aspirations, but it was clear that there were pieces of that 2016 roster that worked. And with JPP's contract expiring, I believe was the one-year franchise tag, he's kind of cornered now. If you want to keep playing, you're going to have to replace a guy like him or you're going to have to pay him. So he got paid. You know, it just was a fact. And the other fact is 2017 Giants were terrible. They fell apart early. They never got out of it. The coach was a buffoon. He didn't know how to handle anything any adversity, any meetings, anything. 2017 was a terrible year, and you know now you have new GM come in, new head coach, and JPP was not traded because he wasn't a good player or washed up or anything. It was just a simple fact of we are going to have to tear some of these things down, and the first thing to go are going to be big contracts. That's it. There is no two ways about it. And when it happened, this was the one move that whether you liked or didn't like Dave Gettleman, I saw like a 97% agreeable rate amongst Giants fans that this was a move that needed to happen. JPP did not have huge stat years. He d- is missing fingers on one hand. Um, and not for nothing, you know, after he went to Tampa Bay, he also got into a car accident and broke his fucking neck. You know yeah. I mean? there's the, now there's like this whole other revisionist history that he's been like, this elite defensive end for Tampa Bay for the last few years, he's been good. That's it. He's been good. He's playing really well this year because this defense finally is playing with a lead. A command. And you you said it was was almost universal that, you know, Giant fans approved. And we're not talking about, you know, a guy, it's like, well, who cares? I mean, this is a, you know, at one time was probably one of the two or three most popular one of the most two or three most popular players on the team. I mean, if you go to MetLife in 2017 and you count jerseys, you know, besides Eli and, uh, you know, Beckham, Beckham. he's right there. Sure. You know? Yeah. So. The main thing is, if you guys don't like Dave Gettleman, you cannot like Dave Gettleman and still agree with the move that was made. You don't have to make shit up to defend your position. There are plenty of things... There's plenty of things about Dave Gettleman that are questionable and debatable that you can argue to your position. You don't have to make shit up. You know, this was a thing. This was a perfectly fine trade. And you also don't have to wait three years before you can do I told you so. It's like, okay, three years down the line, it's like a lifetime in the NFL. So if if you've been holding on to this chip for three years before you can say, well, now I can told you so because now he's playing really good. That's a little weak, also, because nobody played Tampa Bay. I don't think, yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody thought after the trade that you know we're having this conversation mid-season 2020, where I can finally say, "Stupid move, Gettleman." So this is this is purely a never Gettleman, uh, you know, talking point that doesn't hold out. And um, I just want to jump in real quick here uh, as we're recording this on a Sunday night. I'm watching this giant, this Cowboy Eagle game, and I am going to go back to banging my head against the wall how we lost that game Thursday night. And again, I know we're not a good team. I know we're not going to the Super Bowl. I know that. But when I see these two, a collection of people, I don't know if I want to call them football players, just slogging their way. There's, there's a minute left. There is under 100 total passing yards. In the first half, this this guy, this Nunzio, whatever his name is from Dallas, he can't even throw overhand. Everything he throws is like sidearm. I mean, this this is really like you know an inner squad game for the XFL or something. I, I so you know everything is about opportunities and wasted opportunities. Blowing that lead on Thursdays, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably nothing in giant history, but. You can't tell me that either of these two teams are that much better than the Giants. <laughs> it really, Not in their you can't. State. Yeah, this, this is like a narrative yeah. that's kind of annoying me around the league is that uh, the NFC East is the worst, you know, obviously, right? But, I mean, if you're really going to ignore the injuries that the Philadelphia Eagles are trying to play through right now and just pay yeah. them as a bad team, you know, 
That's silly. I mean, you have the no, Dallas Cowboys the league, are not playing very well, but they're also playing without their starting quarterback, which is everything. Or, or their backup quarterback. Yeah, yeah. in this game, yeah. I mean, yeah. these are just silly, silly things to, to say. Like, oh, these teams are so bad. These teams are not bad. They are playing with backups. They're playing with... And because of the pandemic situation, we are beyond the point of signing a guy and having him play in a week. It can't happen because of COVID protocols. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you have Andy Dalton go down, you've got to, you've got to roll with whoever you've got on your roster. You don't have time to bring somebody in and just yeah. kind of coach them up for a game. You've got to just go yeah, with and, what you've got. And at full strength, the Cowboys and the Eagles are better teams. I agree. But right now they're not. And right now, of course, yeah. again, there, there are no asterisks who wins the division in the year because, well, the other team was hurt or my team was no, no, you know, that, that's full strength or something. The, the yeah. sentiment that the whole division is is awful and, and embarrassing, I mean, it's just silly. You it, know what I mean? You're it's because, not, you're well, not it's, really it's, looking it's, at a real representation of this division. You're not. It's, it's be, well, it is what it is. I mean, it has become embarrassing and bad because of the injuries, but uh, – yeah. You can't just go through watching this rest of the season and say, "Oh well, I, I completely, you know, forgive these teams for being as bad as they are." I mean, the facts are they are bad right now. I mean, we right now have three, t- two teams have starting quarterbacks have no business being in the league right now. We have a third that's a rookie or second year that's still figuring things out, and Carson Wentz is might be the most overpaid starter in the NFL right now for what he actually does. Um, it's he's playing. It's just watching. Really bad tonight. I mean, what is this three turnovers yeah. so far? Him in the first half. It, 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 I mean, I'm just watching here now. I mean, when you're playing really bad, it gets contagious. And I, the saying I was referring to that Elliot just dropped a simple screen pass. That you know he shouldn't be dropping simple screen passes. That's not a reflection of who the quarterback is. But I mean, every pass, these balls are being thrown up for grabs. They're just you know, it's it's situation. You don't want to be in this spot, but it is what it is. And my point is that as a giant fan, a wasted opportunity to be, you know, to still win this crappy division was wasted. And seeing this just makes me more and more frustrated about that game. Oh, sure. Especially since they could have won the Dallas game as well. Um, exactly. Yeah. You're talking about your, your three wins are all in division wins. That would be first place worthy. <laughs> Yeah, after all of that, Dallas is ahead. And that makes me even more frustrated and angry about last Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so before we get into our prediction of the Giants game, why don't we just stick with where we're at with Dallas and Philly. Where do you think this game's going to end? Dallas is up, what, 12 to 9 or something, 10? 12-9 at halftime. I mean, I'm, I would say Philly's going to end up winning just because of the fact that, you know, for no other reason, Dallas has no offense in playing with a person who should not be in the NFL, much less a starting quarterback. Um, I, I just can't believe that, uh, you know, in 30 minutes, Philly can't score more than Dallas can. You know, for, so yeah. I'm going to say uh, Philly wins this game in pen. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm going to agree with you there. Now let's flip back to the Giants game, our main thing. What is your prediction here on this game? Uh, the Giants and Buccaneers, the Valari Bowl, all the marbles. Uh, I think this year, Grump, I think our free meals come to an end. I, you know, the Bucks are on a kind of a roll right now. They've, uh, they played two pretty decent teams lately. They're scoring a, a thousand points. Uh, we are not a team that can get into shootouts with anybody. Um, I just don't think we can put. I, I, it was encouraging last week to see us putting pressure on Carson Wentz to get him out of his comfort zone. He was able to do things about it. I don't know if we can do that again this week. Um, having the offensive line issues that we have, you know, no Will Hernandez. We don't know, you know, how much practice was, you know, disrupted this week from the rest of the guys and everything. I just can't see it. Um, I think that was a, even though we had the extra time off from last Thursday to a Monday, that was a devastating loss. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't a backbreaker for the rest of the season. You factor in all those things. I'm going to put this as a loss in pen. Let's go 
Tampa Bay 34, Giants 10. Yeah, we, we I'm an idiot. We, we didn't talk about Will Hernandez. So Will Hernandez has contracted COVID. He's had, I'm assuming, multiple positive tests. He is out this week uh, with COVID illness, I guess. I, I don't know when he's allowed to come back. I assume he's over it. I don't know. Um, every other lineman was quarantined for one day. They, they lost a significant portion of their practice. Um, but they have all come back with negative tests. Uh, Shane Lemieux, I believe, was announced as the person who's going to start at left guard. You know, it, it was not announced immediately, which is a good thing for me because it tells me they didn't just say next man up. They actually experimented. There's a ton of things they could have done. They could have slid Nick Gates over and had Spencer Pulley play center. You know, there's they could have moved things around. Chad Slade could have played over there. Um but they felt that Lemieux was there. And you know what? I had this conversation with Bobby Skinner uh, on, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, or something like that, um, about Shane Lemieux and filling in or moving over to right guard if Kevin Zeitler gets traded or something like that. Lemieux has only played left guard for four years at Oregon. It's it's fortunate that our next man up has, knows that position like the back of his hand. Um, that being said, there's nothing fortunate about losing a starter on your offensive line that <clears throat> already is not very good. Uh, and this is, this and, not, and, and it's kind of and it's kind of thin as well too. So sure. yeah, it's not very good, not very thin. This is going to be tough. Like I said, for the offense to have any success, they're going to have to win in situations that they have not done very well this year, either in blocking good pass rushers uh, for long enough for throws to be deep or in winning in middle-of-the-field routes against good coverage, which they are also not very good at. Um, that isn't very helpful, and not having your starting cornerback on the other side against the Tom Brady team is also not very um, good. And like you said, they, they have, Tampa Bay kind of stumbled out of the gate a little bit, uh, but they have hit their stride. They're playing really well. I think Tampa Bay wins this one 31-13 at that's the best case scenario. Is there anything we can glean from last year's game when uh, it was Daniel Jones's first start? He played pretty well. Um, you know, is it too much? No tape on him at the time. Um, yeah. That game, you know, Daniel Jones did some things in that game that were really good. He had a great pass to Sterling Shepard for a touchdown in that game. You know, it was a, it, it was a good route, but it was like this kind of uh, – it was like right in the corner of the end zone. He really placed it where either it was going to be a touchdown or an incompletion. And it was a great catch, great slide to get, you know, knees down in the end zone and a perfectly thrown ball. You know, uh, he, he also, you know, everyone will remember his, his run, I believe on fourth down in the fourth quarter into the end zone. He saw the covered, the man coverage all split apart like the red sea and just leave a wide open lane right up the middle. And he had the, the headspace to do that. Um, and that's not the that's not the only time we've seen that. I mean, that is a very important part of his arsenal. Sure, you know, that yeah, running and coming right off a game where he had an eighty yard run. You know, um, the other thing to note is a Jameis Winston did not play poorly in that game last year. Uh, very much was not the reason why they lost. Uh, and defensively, we didn't do jack shit downfield to help the offense at all. I mean, they were just hitting bombs to Mike Evans the entire first half. I mean, Janoris Jenkins was undressed in that in that matchup, um, and you know, otherwise, Daniel Jones had some nice highlight things. You know, for a guy who had a week of starter reps before that, it was pretty good. But you know, the Evan Ingram touchdown in that game is really just a short crosser that he took the distance and he had a really good block on the outside to spring him. Uh, he didn't play like an all star in that game. He played really well considering his week of starter reps. So I don't think anything carries over, you know. And I think adding a Tom Brady changes so much of a team offensively and defensively that even if there was something there, I think it's irrelevant at this point. Yeah. With that said, that's going to be it for this episode. We will have our post-game episode... I don't know, probably Wednesday, I guess, maybe. 
Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. If we're if we're fired up after the game, we might just hit record and start talking. Yeah. If not, we will uh, we'll do it uh, Tuesday, so you can have it in your feeds on Wednesday. Yep. Um, one thing you should everybody should do is listen to uh, Grump's been on a few times now. With we mentioned with uh, Bobby Skinner with uh, doing some live Q and A's, the Talking Giants pod, and they've been uh, they've been really entertaining and they've been really uh, informative too. So um, you know, definitely. You know, we'll, we will uh, we'll retweet those from the, the uh, Just Giants Pod uh, Twitter page uh, site and, and from ours individual ones as well. But uh, I encourage you to listen because he does a really good job. He's you know more of the analytic side like uh, Grump is than I am. But uh, you know, I think it's like we say it all the time: you should listen to as many giant pods as you can, read as much as you can, learn from the smart people because you don't want to be the dumb giant fan or the dumb fan talking to other teams fans you want to be the smart one so i definitely recommend uh get a listen to that because it's really good definitely if you don't already follow talking giants i highly recommend it or at the very least follow justin Pennick and bobby skinner on twitter you know they're, they're really active on there they also have a youtube page that's that's really really cool uh they break down everything they grade the offensive line they look at jason garrett and you know all, all kinds of stuff uh, really really insightful information there and from time to time I do live Q&A's on YouTube with Bobby as well um, maybe I'll jump maybe I'll jump on there once uh, to yeah, see what's Bobby, going on also Bobby, Bobby likes the Cranky Fans rants so there, there's a chance <laughs> that he'll, he'll blast him with a bunch of questions about UF basketball or yeah but believe something. me if if we didn't have the uh, you know it wasn't the crazy travel schedule you would have heard a different intro um if we were done this last Thursday, as opposed to doing this tonight, I guarantee that. But if you really want to know what my opinions are uh, regarding, you know, how the world series went, how Gator football is going, uh, obviously the giants, you know, New York city FC won the Derby tonight against the Red Bulls, anything uh, follow me on Twitter at the cranky fan. I have too much to say. Um, I am shooting down bullshit narratives you know, in all of those sports, that's really been annoying me lately. And, uh, yeah. So at the cranky fan and, um, there'll be no politics spoken on it at least this week. So don't worry about that. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at football underscore grump, where I am strictly giant stuff. And if it's outside the realm of giants in any way, shape or form, it's still NFL or college football related. Um, so give me a follow there. Um, and this show, as always, is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. You know, you name it, it's there. Subscribe there. Leave a nice comment and a five-star review, and we appreciate that so, so much. And uh, we will see you later this week with the post-game episode, all right? Sounds good. Go, Go Giants. Giants.